Welcome to another episode of The Grind Podcast, where I talk hunting, entrepreneurship, fitness, and the daily grind and what it takes to earn success. Um, thanks for joining the show today. Today, we got Pistol P, PP Tom. All of them. The, the, the big perv. Just kidding. That stash, though, that you're rocking right now, I could, I could, that, that could fit in the Miller Genuine Draft hat. I could totally see that. Look at that right now. Well, I am getting a, a windowless fan. I don't know if I told oh. you guys that. Oh, wow. That doesn't <laughs> okay. surprise me. And then we got Muley Freak Aaron here today. Today, well, first off, we got another film launching. Um, it is called Lone Goat. And it is a Utah pronghorn hunt with my two little daughters. Cutest little things ever. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to do a Q&A. Uh, Peyton has prepared some really engaging questions. I, I don't know. Maybe, are you going to get to know me a little bit better or what are we doing here? It's kind of some equipment stuff and fitness, some fitness related stuff for like what's kind of upcoming season, uh, gotcha. spring season stuff. So. I thought of another one too that people always ask. So I'll okay. ask and that And then one. Aaron has one that neither of us know about. It's a surprise Ooh, question. Ooh, a surprise question. Yeah. So what should we, we talk about we first? We can do that. I, I also kind of wanted to talk about some interesting news stories I saw this week. Okay. One of them is straight from Idaho fishing game. They had their first cases of chronic waste disease. I, d- I don't know if either of you two I saw did see that. that. Yeah, yep. I saw it somewhere. And I just wanted to know what you guys, what I think it was unit 14 or something. It was, it was up North. I'm not, I can't remember for sure, but what you guys thought about that, because Idaho has been, they haven't had any cases before. This is their first, first two reported ever. cases. Yeah, all in the same unit. Uh, let's see what it says. Wasn't that where they issued the resident-only buck tags was late last season, 14? where you could wait in line to um, maybe you could look that up, where you could late wait in line and buy these buck tags because they felt like there was chronic wasting in this area. My I, friend Jordan I didn't did care it. about that, huh? Yeah, it says it was in cow elk and white-tailed doe. Um, that hmm. they found up there. And their Gosh, first, I swear there was one cases. in a mule deer too. There, there, there might have been too. This is just what their press release was this other day, and I just, huh. um, they'd been, they'd been collecting it. They, it does say, and I, we've been other places when we, your Nebraska deer. I remember the meat locker telling us like yeah. it's not uh, what contagious it's, or it doesn't it's not affect human humans. transferable yeah so yeah i guess it's a big problem in animals but not i yeah. guess it's not too much to worry about as long as you cook your meat right right in in your so i don't know yeah they acted like it's not a big deal and it's not transferable to humans but it, we as humans it still makes us a little like squirmy well when we were on in oklahoma me and joe you remember what that thing we cut off joe's and like off his white tail that doe there was like a big it almost looks like a cyst and then, like, some of the meat was really, like, fatty, bruised. Yeah, it was kind of weird meat. Yeah, it had a weird texture. Was it injured? Yeah, it could have been injured. It could have been injured, but, like, it was it was just kind of weird. It was just on the inside only. Yeah, it was weird. Once. So, unless it was the rut, so maybe some buck went a little too hard or something. <laughs> yeah. It, that was a little weird, too. We, we remember cutting, skinning her, and, like, oh, this, this doe's a little odd. Yeah. We we should follow up with Joe and see he's and if he's ate any of it. Yeah. So just a quick a quick definition on chronic wasting. It's a disease found in some deer, elk, and moose populations. It damages portions of the brain, and typically c- causes progressive loss of body condition, behavioral changes, 
in excessive salivation and death. So, um, yeah, to date, there's been no reported cases of CWD infection in people. However, some animal studies suggest CWD poses a risk to certain type of non-human primates like monkeys that eat meat from CWD-infected animals or come into contact with brain or body fluids from infected deer or elk. So it sounds like it just makes their brain deteriorate. Like zombies. Yeah, like yeah, a little bit like zombies. Chronic wasting, like just their brain just deteriorates. Brain and body huh. deteriorate. Something you definitely don't want to see with your happen to your wildlife. I mean, deer are up against everything to begin with. Yeah. From coyotes, lions, getting run over by cars. Winners. Oh, winter pro- winners and cars probably kill more than fifty percent of the are probably fifty percent of the deaths. <laughs> oh, and the rest lions and coyotes. You go to a management area or like uh, here in Utah, and there'll be this does along the fence line. Yeah, all dead, all dead. Like tons of them. It's like how how does this many animals die in the winter? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So how does a deer di- get CWD? CWD is transmitted directly through animal to animal contact, and indirectly through contact with objects or environmental contaminated with the infectious infectious material, saliva, urine, feces, and old carcasses. Well, that's why they that's why they stopped the hardware ranch feeding. Because they were getting worried, it's they were getting worried about the elk all coming in, mm. being close to each other. You so imagine wiping out the whole herd. Yeah, that'd be terrible. That makes sense why they did it. So follow up on this one. It says, um, it there was in unit fifteen. Also, it says, but there was two mule deer bucks, two white tail bucks, a white tail doe, and one cow elk. That's the one I remember reading. Yeah, um, I remember that one too. They were all in unit fourteen. So I, I guess those are the results from it. Yeah. Huh. So I wonder if if they're I don't know exactly where Unit 14 is, but um, could pull a base map and look. I know it's uh, farther up north, so I wonder if like a surrounding, if one of the surrounding states of some animal or someone, I you'd think it would have to be an animal then that brought it in, yeah, that, that wandered. Yeah, so, so I'm looking it so, up right so that, now. That's, so. that's interesting. I thought that was interesting just because um, I've hunted Idaho a lot and I've and getting that. So 15 is up there by Elk City, Nez Pierce National Forest. What about 14? Um, just to the left of, just to the west of 15. So right there on the, uh, um, the Washington border, Washington, Oregon border. So maybe it came from somewhere over there. Who knows? But maybe Idaho's had it longer and he just, cause it's not like every animal's tested. Because yeah, a, lot of, a lot of states take DNA yeah. samples. You I have har- to check them in. Hard to believe this is the first time Idaho, in theory, has ever experienced chronic wasting. I mean, this is the first time they've tested and found it, right? Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, well, hopefully deer and elk are up against a lot of factors. Um, well, off that, though, we can go off a kind of more positive thing for elk, at least. Um Virginia announced their first elk season in like 10 years, I think, or longer. Huh, that's um, cool. They're doing five five tags. It's a managed tag, but that just shows how the, with the right conservation efforts, you know, you can get populations yeah. up and Virginia's doing an elk hunt now. Just goes to show you how blessed we are and lucky we are to live out west here and be able to have an over-the-counter or be able to have an opportunity to hunt elk every single year. You imagine those poor guys in Nebraska and Virginia and Kentucky that just pray mm. that once in their life they get an elk tag and yet, maybe they draw. Yeah, and maybe they draw. And we get and now Nebraska has some really big bulls actually. Giants. I know I know corn bulls. Corn bulls. <laughs> Neil Davies from Hornady, he's drawn it. 
Um, I know people are trying to draw it all the time. I know guys that have picked up sheds there, pick up some mega giants. But anyway, like, just goes to, you, you just realize just, man, we're so fortunate to be able to live here. So blessed. Yep. So, sometimes you don't think about it. Sometimes you just complain about when you spend money on the $5 tags at the at the Hunt Expo. <laughs> and, and you don't draw. And you don't draw. And you're like, man, I'm never going to draw one of these. And it's like, man, yeah, look how lucky in we are to be able to live entry in this point place. For like yeah. five years, and then you finally get it. You spent, but they'll, they yeah. maybe get one. So it's like, you know, I had to wait yeah. five, ten years, but yeah. one still a nice elk tag. Yeah. And this isn't an open invite for Californians to move here. Stay out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we don't need more of you guys here. There's already too many. But uh, no, seriously, we're we're very blessed to be able to live here. And you know, the older I get, the more I recognize that that living on this Wasatch Front, living under Ben Loman, seeing this beautiful range we get to live by, I'm like, holy cow! I cannot believe how blessed I was that I was born in this town and be able to be raised the way I was. Um, you don't realize it till later on. Well, okay. What else you got? Well, let's move on to a, a question then. Q&A time. Bing, 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 bing. Q&A time. That's our, that's our news for today, Muley Freak News. Um, There's your Muley Freak News. So maybe we'll start with this one. Um, are you – what new equipment are you using this year or, like, anything you're looking forward to using? Or, like, how do you how do you change your equipment every okay, year? Okay, so we're, we're working on Bonsai Bears 2.0. Um, in fact, all three of us are going to go this year. So Aaron's going to get a, a taste at this uh, – different side of this country and and uh peyton's gonna get a, a, a brand new perspective of spring bear and this is hardcore spring bear um so we actually are gonna get a seek outside floorless tent that the six of us are gonna shack up in red cliff it's the red cliff red cliff light red cliff light stoveless so with the stoveless you can fit six what can you fit with the stove three no with three with a stove? No, I think stoveless is like four, and then without a stove, you're six. Six. You mean with a stove or four, stoveless, yes. you're six. Yes, sorry okay. if I said that That's backwards. Right. Yeah, so that should be five. So we should have – is that with gear too, you think, or just sleeping? Mm, probably not a lot of gear. Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to take probably one of their one-man Silexes oh. and put stow gear in it. Oh, so, okay. Which I'm, I'm also. I bought one of those at the expo before we knew we were doing that, and you also did. Too. Yeah, and I bought one too. They look, they look really nice, lightweight. Have you guys so. set them up yet? So you're not on a side hill and tired and <laughs> I, I probably dark should. trying to set one up. Yeah, you should, should like try to do. No, that. I've, I've set it up. Hmm. I, I haven't set mine up. Yet. Super easy, very easy. It comes with basically a tarp. Your outside kind of rain, but you can use it as just a tarp. And then it has a nest on the inside, like kind of like a tree. Oh, yeah, you bought tent. the nest. I just bought yeah. the the tarp side, but it's like designed for your trekking poles. Yeah, which looks really nice. So, what's it weigh? The Silex? Oh, it's light. Like, what was it? A with I think with everything with stakes and poles, three, and I think with the nest too, it was like two pounds. Yeah, wasn't two it? something. And I, then without it, one of them, it was just like a pound and yeah, pound and some ounces. So, so what's the red light. cliff like? I think it's like three. Three and a half pounds, and then that's without a stove, obviously. Three and a half pounds without a stove. Yeah. That's not bad for six people. Right around there. Peyton can pull it up. Um, but, yeah, I think it's right around three and a half pounds. Yeah, yeah. for six people. Yeah, that's nice. We're, we're only going to have five, I guess. But, um, yeah, we should fit nice in there. And so we got the, for those wondering, we got the Red Cliff light. There's the traditional Red Cliff as well. The traditional Red Cliff has two doors. 
so it has openings on both sides. The oh. red, cliff, red cliff light, they took off one of the sides, and it shaves like 11 to 12 ounces Okay. by only having one door. So just under a pound, takes off a... Uh, close to, yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, next piece of hunting gear. I'm going to try a new pad. I don't know what pad I'm going to try, but since I don't know what pad I'm going to try, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to try a new headlamp. I'm always trying new headlamps as well. Um, I have a last light that I was going to try. I just got yesterday. So I'm going to give it a last light a try. What, um, is that a headlamp? That's a yeah, headlamp? headlamp. My last lights is the name of the company. Um, I've seen a few people on Instagram post it. I was like, man, i got to give this thing a try. Um, I'll carry a back, backup for sure. Cause you can that. So does it take batteries or does it, you charge it before or I honestly don't know yet. But those ones that think, you have I to th- charge make me nervous. I think this one might be, I think it might be battery and solar operate. I don't know. I could probably look right now. So while you're looking, the Silex, the one man, so if you get just the canopy, it's one pound, one ounce. Yeah, that's what you I remember. You get the canopy, steak, stuff sacks, and cordage. It's a pound and a half. And if you get it with the nest, it adds another 16 ounces. So two and a half pounds yeah, for, with, everything. with the nest. And I, I guess it just depends on if you want the nest with you or not. Yeah. And, and then I don't know. I don't know anything about their their stoves, but I think they're supposed to be lighter weight. And you yeah, they're super form. lightweight. I think so, they're titanium. Or they have titanium ones. Back to the uh, last light headlamp. Four hours to recharge it, USB rechargeable, which the one I'm running right now, I can't even remember the name of it. It's USB rechargeable, and I really like it. That means you have to recharge it. Yeah. Instead of your phone getting charged. Yeah. I don't use my phone that much. Just for maps. It's not getting service. It's not getting text messages. My phone will last three, four days. Yeah. So... Take one power bank. Anyway, it runs three to eight hour runtime. But I noticed that any headlamp, it's always nicer to run it on a little brighter. It's just so much better. Yeah. But if you run it on bright, it doesn't last near as long. So a three to eight hour, a th- three to eight hour runtime, I would guess that's between low, running it on low and running on high. But anyway, this is really light. I'm trying to get the weight. It's like ounces. I want to, I want to say three ounces, but I'm trying to find the specs here. Yeah. I remember they're super lightweight. But if you're charging like a bunch of cameras like we are, that means my power banks have to go to to those. And so that's what makes me nervous about. Yeah. Luckily, with if we take those, this is the new Sony's, those batteries last, last pretty longer, long. Huh? But yeah, charging on the mountains, even with power, it takes longer. And it, those cameras will suck all the, yeah. those power banks dry. But then I'll go back to the, the Red Cliff, the light. So there, do we have door screens on the one we're getting? It says it adds four ounces, but updated weight it says with stakes in carbon poles is four pounds, fourteen ounces, seventy three ounces total. So yeah, I think I figured what we'd actually take. I think we're like just under four pounds, but that's one shelter for five guys. So um, what do you mean by what we would take? Like um. Because we have our own trekking poles, so we wouldn't. You don't need to use theirs. Yeah, because it takes one. Okay. And then I don't know that we have screens on them. It only adds four ounces if there is door screens. So you don't need like a. You can use your own trekking pole. You don't need to use their one. Yeah, I think you use your own trekking pole. Um, other other new gear. Uh, Cryptic has a new uh, puffy that I'm going to try. The LDAX. It's supposed to be so. They used to have this Aquilo. 
um, Aquilo, Aquilo, however you want to say it. It was super lightweight, pretty warm. I was, and they did away with it for three or four years. I don't know why. And then they came out with these heavier Cirrus and uh, Ares jacket. Why they name these things <laughs> complicated name, I don't know. But the LDAX looks really, really um, useful. And I'm all about lightweight. I'm all about packability. And this just might be that Cryptek piece. So I'm, I'm going to check that one out too. And a super lightweight puffy pant as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that one's super lightweight. Um, but they do have a puffy pant, right? Yeah. I don't know how lightweight it is, but I know that Eldex, Jordan has it, and he says it is very light. Oh, okay. I really thought he warm. had the pa- I saw he had the pants, too. Puffy, but he didn't act like they were super light. Oh, but, okay. But they could be. I don't know. We don't have them yet, so. We don't have them. So. But those are another thing you're going to run? Yeah, those are another thing I'm going to run. Uh, what else did I have on this trip that I was going to try? I'm going to take, uh, take those Black Ovis. What are those, the mids? Mid-season. I don't know what the mids are. You know what they're called? Uh-uh. I don't, I don't like the cotton- You love them. I don't like them. I love them. I don't like the mids. I like the lightweights, the cottonwoods. I think yeah, they they're are. too loud. I feel like the material is too loud on those. The mids are way louder. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I have them both. Remember, you said I have a softer material. I don't know if I should. T- I don't know. You, I don't. Anyway, they're one of my, I wore them in, uh, what's, the, what's the archery bear hunt combo called? I forgot. Uh, hat trick? Hat trick. I wore them in hat trick. Um, I wore them in a lot of hunts this so last year. I really liked them. You've been wearing black Hovis pants like every day almost. Yeah, I wear them to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're really comfortable. What, what pants, I'm trying to think when we're on your Nebraska hunt, you hated the pants I was wearing. You said they sounded like a diaper. Yeah, I can't remember what you were wearing. <laughs> I don't, they were, they were just sounded some, like Jerry's walking around the house. <laughs> yeah, we're walking around the cornfields and Aaron's. Oh my gosh, I remember so that. Well. I think it's because yeah. they had a material, so you're your crotch can breathe a little bit, but I think they were That's sliding together. Like. That was like the first time I ever filmed with you too. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, those things are loud. I remember you, you're like, do you have anything else you can wear? <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even, there were just some pants I got from Al's, I remember. St- They're comfy. Mule, stock and mule deer. Uh, yeah, you're very paranoid. And coos deer, it's even worse. So, if you're doing it with the bow. Uh, other forms of equipment. Um, I think I don't know. Are we gonna get those Laponia two in time? We aren't. Tyler We're, Tyler will. Oh, because he, he said May, I think. Dang. So we won't get to try those out, unfortunately. I guess I'll bring the brick stalls. That's rough country. I'm bringing the brick stalls. Now I'll stick with my Laponias. <laughs> and Peyton Peyton better uh figure out if he can wear the brick stalls if he's man enough. I don't know if I'm going to. They hurt my feet that one bear hunt. I broke him in, but he's, I think I the, don't think they're broke in, man. I've worn them a lot. I will say if, this. If it takes more than 30 miles to break them in, then The Laponias, my first me. ever hunt, robbed my heels raw. What? They're High like country. tennis shoes when I put them on. High country. I think huh. it's just anytime you wear something new. Yeah. I think my feet had to get used to them. But yeah, the High Country hunt with Tyler, hmm. I had to stop two miles in and put blisters on. I, Maybe they're bad socks. Could have been. But as soon as I put moleskin over, I was good to go. I just, yeah. I, I think I do. I think when you break in a new pair of boots, there's a toughening period where it's like, not with my Laponias. Those I'm things just are like saying, I know I agree. They're gloves but, when they come on. I know, but they, they did give me huh. a little bit of rub the one time. Everyone's never feet again. are different too. Everyone's different. Yeah. How they, how they fit. Sometimes the hill, it's depends on the hill for me on how it, how it's just designed if it digs into the back yeah. of me or not. I was going to try out a new bag. Um, I have a Kuyu 15 degree that I absolutely love. It's under it's under two pounds. 
mummy. That's absolutely amazing. If I, there's a Western mountaineering bag that I was looking out, seek outside, sells them on their website. If I can get my hands on that, I'll probably leave my Kuyu bag at home and try that. Um, Black Ovis and Cryptek one are just a little bit heavy or I, I not for this kind of hunt. Do I want to try something out on that? I, the light equipment's a great option. I've been using that for five, six, seven years. Um, but I just, I roll around more and more all the time and I just don't like how the, the, the skirt flips up when I turn on and roll on my shoulder. And so there's just a little bit of air that'll creep in on that. And you can go to bed with your puffy and whatnot and you won't, you don't really notice, but I don't know. I just, I just get into the point where I just don't like a quilt as much. And it's just recently that I'm just like, man, I just don't like a quilt as much, especially when it's a little on the cooler side. So early spring or starting to get to that late September or early November, I'm just like, man, I just don't like a quilt like I used to. Yeah, I I can I see that. I used one of your online equipment quilts last, last fall and the rolling over definitely gets some breeze in. Yeah, and then you like wake up and you try to grab your offhand or your, your up upward hand and try to like tuck it under doesn't bother me for some reason but yeah. the bothers first me. time i used it i didn't have the clips i have i have clips and it still does it and the second time i had a clip in it i enjoyed it a lot more because i actually kind of liked more movement i guess in it's it. annoying if i'm in a tight it, sleeping yeah. bag i, I can like see why that. guys like movement but that's why you have to test gear in my opinion that's why you have to go experience use it and then you can see what you like you know i think it's important for that and i'm I'm just to the point, like, up to now, my very, very favorite bag to sleep in is that Kuyu. Straight up. It's my very favorite. Um, And I have a 15 degree. Um, That might be too hot for, but I I don't want to have to. But sometimes it's nice to go, like, 20 or 30 degree because then when you wake up, say, for spring bear, you don't have to change and get ready. Because you go to bed in the clothes, or you wake up in the clothes you sleep in, and you pop up and start glassing. And you don't have to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't have to change because it's never fun changing. Right. You, you don't want to get out of your bag. I don't care how tough you are. You always dread getting <laughs> out and having to change. So. It, um, it does suck. What other equipment was I going to try this year? I think I think that's it for this spring hunts at least. Maybe what, I'll have more ideas for the fall. What gun are you taking? Hopefully Travis has my new 300 PRC. A new 300 PRC. Yep. Sean uh, Sean Hayward's son bought my my 300 PRC from last year. Okay. The changes that I made to this one is I went from a 26 inch barrel to I believe a 20 20 or 22. Okay, shorter barrel. Shorter then. barrel. Put the Omega back on it, and um, I'm going to be in his new KS1 stock, so it's okay. got a higher cheek piece um, than the A3, and it's still pretty light, and then course my go-to lone peak razor tie half pound off of steel and then put a mark five on it that's what i'm going to be are you going to take your 300 prc depends if i get a scope for it oh i can, put a, hurry and get I you can a scope. put a vx3i on it i've just been waiting yeah we need to hurry and get you a scope then so so tylee's going to take a 7mm tylee Tylee. <laughs> Tylee's taking a 7mm. You're taking your new 300 PRC. Taylor's bringing his 6.5 Creedmoor. Aaron's- no, no, no. He just built a new TS Custom 300 PRC. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was going to say. One stock. So he's going to want to bring his new gun. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. everyone's bringing their own guns, yeah. it sounds like. No sharing of guns on this one. <laughs> and Aaron's left-handed, so he's going to uh, have to. In fact, Tyler told me the other day, he's like, I saw Taylor's gun. I think I just want to build another one. <laughs> I said, of course well, you did. should build another one. He's like, nah, no. Nah. 
So what are you taking your six five or are you taking your new? Uh, the plan is the three hundred PRC. So so a lot of three hundred PRCs taking out bears. Well, There's Taylor probably got his because he shot yours last year and he fell in love. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. When you whack that bear at 700 yards and how about his hat flying off. So that's <laughs> one of my funniest moments of that whole that's trip. The best. It is it is funny how he's reaching for it, grabbing it. Oh, yeah. He was more <laughs> concerned about that hat getting back on his head than he was that bear getting away. <laughs> that's what made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Oh, man, the recoil blew his hat off, and he was, like, scrambling to put his uh, hat back on. You'll have to watch the video, Bonsai Bears. But anyway, Peyton's putting together a kill reel right now, and it's in that video, too. But We, we threw the hat flying off right to. before. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's the top 19 black bear kill shots ever. Yeah, well, that should be out next week, probably. Yeah, hopefully that'll be done by next week. Um, And then, let's see, so how are you... We'll do that. Go into this one too. How are you preparing for the spring hunt? Yeah, so we're five weeks out or four weeks out from that hunt. Five. Okay, we're five weeks out from that hunt. I've really started to take my cardio very serious. So I'm using a first form weight vest right now, and I'll do 20 minutes at eight or nine incline at three and a half, four miles an hour, and just go hard straight uphill. Um, then I'll either get on the bike for 10 minutes after that, or I'll run with my 12 pound weight vest. I have roughly 12, it weighs roughly, roughly 12 pounds and I'll run with that for five minutes. Then I'll cool down and stretch. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do low weight, but heavy reps. Cause that's what you're doing. You're a 40 pound pack and you're hiking all day long. So I'm trying to train like that with lighter weight, 25s, 35s, or 45s, and just do a lot of squats, a lot of step ups. I'll grab a, uh, a short, a short bar and I'll do step ups on, on the machine I don't even know what it's called. The Anyway, it's just, just this platform, and you step up with it, and I'll just grab one of those short bars over my shoulders and step up with it with my well, weight. It's not a machine, vest. then. It's just a platform. It's a platform, but it's connected to the machines. Oh, yeah, it just, yeah. It's just an attachment. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'll do that, and I'll rotate and do that, and then stretch. I'm making sure that I'm doing eight ounces of water before I even take my pre-workout. Megawatt's my go-to pre-workout. I'm taking eight waters, and then I drink 40 ounces of water during my workout and I'm not doing the 75 hard program right now, but I'm still drinking a gallon of water every single day. If not more, 140 ounces, I'll, some days I'll get 140 ounces, but before I even leave my workout, I've got 40 ounces down me. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep my heart rate up. So when I'm lifting, like say I'm doing bench, I'll do, um, I'll do 40 jumping jacks in between my, my bench sessions. Okay. So with that weight vest, my heart's moving I just feel good. And you know what? It's, it's, I don't like doing cardio and then just like sitting stationary for another half hour and doing weights. It's, I just, my body feels so much better. Like if I'm benching and then I move and then I bench and then I do push ups or jumping jacks or whatever, I just feel so much better. So I'm just trying to be as active as possible, keep my heart rate up, keep my lungs working during my workouts. Cause I know, I know when the three of us get into this country, not only is it super, super intimidating, but in order to kill bears, you need to be in the best shape of your life. In order to film bears and kill them, you need to be in an incredible shape. And it's just, I've been on hunts before where I've given up mentally. I have, you know, seven, eight years ago when I would be like, I am not going in there. No, thanks. Not, not interested. And I, I just, the last few years, I've just been mentally tougher. And I think this is the most physically in shape I've been since probably the age 21 
and mentally for sure too. And I just want to go in there and crush it. I want to be able to go anywhere we need to go, film everywhere we need to go and just be able to help and, and, and carry my weight and, um, help people get bears out and have confidence to, to, to get it done. And it's just, I don't know, not to go on a tangent here, but that's how I'm trying to prepare myself and, and why, because I, Aaron, Aaron's been on, on some grueling hunts in the, in the bear, in the bear realm. And it's, it's not fun when you go and you're like tongue dragging and you're dreading going somewhere because yeah. it's, it's just that fear is just not that fun. Yeah. That, well, that was kind of the next question I was going to ask. You kind of went into it of how do you stay motivated on these, on hunts like that? And if it is a bad hunt, how do you, like, how do you keep going or yeah. do you find that will, but you kind of answered that already. Yeah. So. I think, I think the motivation is the adventure and the work. Um, the harder I work, the more I appreciate it and the more grateful I am and the, and the more cherished the memory. Um, so bonsai bears last year, we worked our tails off. We avoided rattlesnakes. We killed three bears, one giant found some awesome sheds and worked our tails off in 90 degree weather and put together a, our, our number one bear film ever. And it was just gratifying. And so I just, I just know that the experience and the experience alone is enough motivation to me to go work my tail off. I know, I know I can kill a bear. Mm-hmm. And I know I can find a bear. I know I can kill him and I know I can film it. Now it's like, how efficient can I do it now? How, how, how well can my body do it now? I, I like pushing myself to the point where I'm uncomfortable because you're, you're never going to be a hundred percent comfortable in that kind of country. But, um, but knowing you can do it, knowing not, you're not going to die. I think, I don't know. I know Aaron and I felt this way, but I don't know if you have Peyton, but I've been on a hunt where like, am I going to die? <laughs> you know, because you're in shape or you're in a bad situation. You got an animal done and you don't have help. Weather moves in. Uh, I guess you have too. I mean, <laughs> the, Two twelve. The, the two twelve bowl. bowl is like the only time. That I'm yeah, like, yeah. This this sucks. And I just don't. I want to be more prepared physically and mentally than ever before, and that's the motivation right now. And honestly, I've killed three really big bears at this point, and um, the motivation for me is the camaraderie and the adventure and working your tail off now and and going and having fun and creating a and piece of art and the piece of art being the film. Yeah. Um, I, I take great pride in how that film looks. Yeah. Well, I think that helps. You've been into the area. And so now you're like, I've already gone in there. I've killed a bear. So you have that mental state of like, I, I already know I can do it. How can I do it better? Yeah. So that helps you a lot too. Because I know after your 212 one, after we got out, I was hauling out my deer like the next week or two later. I'm like, oh, this is nothing compared to the snowstorm. <laughs> and I was hauling that out by myself. Like, oh, this is easy. Even yeah. though it, it still sucks how much yeah. weight I had. But it's like, once you have those like, you're like, I've done something worse, like the situation I'm in now is way easier. Yeah. So I guess if you can prepare that way of, I've done it before, I can I can do it again. Yeah. And this this time it's easier. <laughs> I, I will say that no matter how prepared I am right now, I only had four days to prepare for this hunt last time, or, or maybe seven. It wasn't long. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just over a week. But there's this side hill where we camped, and it's it's a side hill. It's an open face. It's a mountain. But it looks doesn't look that big. It's long. But like when you start climbing it, it's, it's like, wow, are, are we doing this? Like, can we do this? And I don't think I'll ever look at that, that mountain right there and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to whoop this thing. Like it's going to kick your butt. It's just, it's not going to kick your butt as bad. If that makes sense. It, it kind of, when you get to the top, how bad you're actually going to 
feel like yeah, physically. Exactly. So if you can prepare as much yeah. as you can beforehand. You want to get to the top yeah. and still have enough energy to go find and kill a bear or recover a bear. I mean, yeah. we skirted around that, but when we went in to recover my bear, we went to the top. Mm-hmm. And so we won't do that all the time. But if we need to, I want to be able to be like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. And once I get to the top of that, I can go and find this bear. And I still yeah. have enough energy and to, to recover this bear. Because if you're not mentally strong, then you start to make bad decisions. And then if you're starting to be out of shape and not mentally strong in some of that dangerous country, then you then you put your body in danger because your mind's not there. Whether that's slipping or making bad route decisions or whatever. Yeah. you have anything on that, Aaron? No, I was gonna, my motivation comes from I just don't want to feel like like I'm going to die when I'm up there. I've had <laughs> I've had that once or twice, so <laughs> <laughs> I want to like Eric said, you want to you want to be able to get to where you're going and then still yeah. feel good enough to keep keep going. You want to have and a, to hunt and enjoy yourself. You want to enjoy yourself yeah. some. You want to push and be uncomfortable and sweat and work hard. For me, right? that's that's like a lot of the motivation. Obviously, everything else that Eric said too, but like, yeah. I want to be able to get to where we need to go, enjoy it, and then yeah, like, know, like keep the hiking will suck, but then once you get there, be like, okay, yeah, let's hunt now. So yeah, but then but then get if you don't find bears, then you got to go work twice as hard to try to find bears, and that's <laughs> where it's like, oh, please hope there's bears here. Yeah, <laughs> my, my first ever bear hunt, we had to go after this giant bear that I missed that we called Blue, and uh, I felt. I was so sick and it's a haul in there. It was like six, I think it was just under six miles to get to where that bear was at. And we had to like haul to get a shot on that bear. And then we thought maybe I hit it. So we had to go another mile or something. And it was, it's kind of similar to the same country. But anyway, I was like sick, really bad sick. And so I'm like, I just don't ever want to feel like that again. Put yourself in that situation now. And I think you get to that bear in half the amount of time. Oh yeah. And you kill him. And yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. But you know, you have to have those experiences to learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were talking about this the other day. It's, you can't grow without pain. Um, you've got to push your body and mind, um, to the point where it's uncomfortable and hurting in order for you to come back and get better the next time. And I think that goes for all fast. I think that goes for your professional life. I think that goes for your physical body. I think it goes for your spiritual well-being too. And, you know, um, all those things. So, well, I guess we can go into the last little topic here and a much easier hunt your antelope hunt with your girls yeah we can talk about the film and yeah let's get back to that so um yeah i try to try to find an antelope tag somewhere um every single year i don't know what's going to happen this year so i've been going back and forth in my mind how i can do this but an antelope hunt is a really good hunt to get your kids on and I think they're super cool animals, and it's one of my very, very favorite game meats. I was going to say they're delicious, too. Yeah. Why is there that stigma of the antelope is gross? I remember growing up hearing, oh, it's they so stink. bad. That's because they, they stink, they and stink people really bad. don't take care of them, and or I th- what? I think people leave the hide on it. Like a deer, you leave the hide on. A lot of people leave the hide on for weeks mm-hmm. and let it hang. You know, you've got to get that hide off that meat right away. And that hair is really potent, and it's really bristly. Yeah. And it's got a lot of scent glands, and you just want to keep that hair off that meat and just get it cooled down. And it's not like this mad dash rush to do it, but you need to do it right away. Okay. And if you do that, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, antelope hunts are also low-key. They're in the flats. 
a lot of driving, which is great for kids, especially little kids. Yeah. My little girls were eight and four at the time. And, you know, Kendra was so young that she didn't really pay a lot of attention. They had their toys in the back seat and kind of doing that. And I got a tag for a unit that literally had very, very little antelope. I didn't know it at the time, but it was kind of an opportunity tag. And I think someone had told me that a biologist had flown the unit and counted six antelope oh, earlier. Good good chances then of getting one. Yeah, good chance <laughs> to get one. Ann and I covered 140 miles and saw two antelope, one buck and one doe. And we didn't <laughs> um, we didn't hunt opening day either. So people had already gone in that drew the tag and yep. like. And we, <laughs> we I just think they didn't have time. a couple bucks early. Oh, re- yeah. I think one of the landowners said that they'd had some people on. So yeah. it's not like we had a lot, you know, to yeah. choose from. And there wasn't a lot of animals there anyway. So. Yeah. And I think when I called the landowner to ask for permission, he's like, why didn't you call me sooner? I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I just had some other hunts going on and I didn't have time. He goes, well, you're, you're the last pick. You should have been here opening day if you wanted to buck. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. what he told okay. me on the phone. I'm like, well, shoot, I didn't know that. And most of the unit is private, too. There's not a lot of public. So you you do have to call and get access from, from yeah. most of this hunt. You do got to call and get which access for did, a lot of this so. hunt, which we did. And I had some contacts, and I knew some people. And landowners were absolutely amazing. And uh, they, they, were, they were more than happy to let me and my little girls on to chase antelope. So... At any rate, we, we logged it on base map because I, I put on the base map tracker so that we could tell in a new unit I wanted it, didn't want to cover the same ground, the same roads and whatnot. So we put on that tracker to, so that we could see everywhere we'd been and we just kept covering ground, covering ground, covering ground, covering ground to the point my girls started to get bored. <laughs> so then I was worried like, okay, I don't want to create this experience for them that they're bored. Dad, are we almost done? When are we going to get out? Dad, I want to go home. And, my eight-year-old said, I want to go home. I was like, okay. My oldest one saying that? I'm like, this must be really bad. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, no. I've, I've got, we've got to find an antelope. I can't do this. I want a good experience for these guys. You know, and I was trying, I was focused on trying to get an antelope. And then out there, they were starting to stress me out because they're like, when are we going to go home? <laughs> so I, I just, I'm like, okay, dial in here. And we're driving, driving. I think, did you spot it out of the corner of your eye? Yeah. Was it you? I was like, whoa, there's one. There's a in the middle of nowhere, in this little dip, there's a buck bedded, and a nice buck. I'm like, no way. So we drive, 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 drive. Um, did we get? Per- did we have permission from this we guy? Had, we had permission from one guy at that at that point. Okay. And the buck was on the other guy's property Just that barely we, on that the we other hadn't side. called yet. And then he came driving. And then up, he came dro- driving up the road. Then he came driving up the road. I'm like, hey, do you know so and so? He goes, that's me. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's like, yeah, go ahead, shoot him. And I was like. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we, we sneak, we sneak to him and, uh, you know, Aaron's like, we need to go around. I'm like, no, 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 no. My, my, I'm like, we're just going to go straight at him. I knew if I went straight at him, he was looking at us bedded yeah. like through the barbed wire fence. And I had the girls sneak behind me. So I kind of coached up the little girls. I'm like, Hey, you go, you guys just really get low, follow behind me. And then I'm thinking about gun safety making sure they're not far enough behind me. One of them doesn't get up beside me. And so I was like, I was a little bit, I was a little like, I want to say a nervous wreck, but I was like trying to be ultra cautious that, you know, one of the, they're young. Okay. Yeah. And they're still learning. So I didn't want them to, you know, do anything to jeopardize anybody's safety at all. So anyway, so I'm like, I think if I keep going head on at this buck, he'll get uncomfortable enough that he'll just get up 
and that's all I needed to do was get up. Sure yeah. enough, worked out perfect. Girls are behind me. They're sneaking in. They did a great job. And I had that. Uh, Travis built me a, a six Creed, which is basically a souped-up 243, if those of you are not familiar. Um, I was shooting the 103 ELDXs, and I never used them uh, before. This is a 20-inch barrel, um, proof barrel, obviously, and put the Silence Crow Omega on it, the VX6. Um, I believe that's a VX6. It's either a 5 or a 6. I'm pretty sure it's a 6. But anyway, uh, made that buck just nervous enough where he get up. He kind of rolled around. He was at 297. I think he came out to about 320, 330 or so by the time he got up. And and then heard the bullet hit. I'm like, he's acting hit. I'm like, what the heck? But what, what really confused me at first was, I saw the bullet, it went all the way through him and hit behind and kind of like made the bullet go out in front of him. So it looked like I missed way left. So Aaron's like, you, you hit left. I'm like, no, I, I, he's acting hit and I put it right on. I'm like, I know this gun sighted in and tipped over in like 10 yards. Yeah, I was filming. And so like I, I just saw, you know, at 300 yards with my bare eyes, I just saw the dirt, dirt fly up way to the left. Yeah, way to the left. I was like, like what, what the, the heck? Yeah, it would but then all of a sudden, too. he's tumbling to the ground. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you missed way left. And all of a sudden, he falls over dead. You're like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. You can tell in the footage, I guess, of uh, the long lens camera, you can tell it hits him. Like, oh, yeah. It smacks him. Yeah. Crashes him. I guess you were like recording with the GoPro, I think. Yeah, you? I either had the GoPro or the other yeah, I don't, Sony. I can't, I can't remember. remember. Yeah, But I, I guess when you're recording, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I shot it out of that Leupold saddle, which was really nice for that kind yeah, of that country. that was perfect. Yeah, it was nice. It was so nice. I had a feeling that morning when I was packing everything up, I'm like, I'm going to need this shooting saddle, I think. Yeah, it's a um, good thing you brought that. Oh, and by the way, I was nervous because when antelope get up and run, they, they don't, sometimes they don't stop. Sometimes they don't ever stop. So we got lucky that he bumped out and then stood there broadside. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I just had this like weird premonition that he would do that. And I think I, why is because he was looking through that barbed wire and he could barely see above that berm. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think he's just going to be curious enough that he'll stop. Yeah. And so that was, and then with my girls, I'm like, I bring three of us, my little girls around. I'm like, he's for sure gone. Oh, well, that's why I'm like, he's going to see five people coming at him. Yeah. I, I would love to see a wide camera of all of you guys doing the sneak up I'm to like, him. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. Because the footage of Kendry and Jaylee is funny of them sneaking. Oh, I heard Kendry singing. She was singing. You know, she was singing on the stock. Yeah, I could hear her singing. <laughs> Jaylee we mentions that on the thing. She's like, Kendry was singing. And you're like, oh, she was singing quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I was like... I was like, can they please just be quiet? That no, didn't think he was being hunted at that point. He's yeah, like, he, that's, pro- that's probably <laughs> that's probably what confused the hell out of him. He didn't know he was being hunted. So I put a low shoulder, and it essentially was a heart shot. It literally, that bullet tore open like the in the, the bottom side of his cavity from shoulder to shoulder. It was like literally opened up. Like you would never suspect a 103-grade bullet would do. It was devastating. Yeah, it was insane. That bullet did more damage than my 225-grain ELDM match bullet did on the antelope the year before at 440. Which that one did some serious damage, yeah. too. But the, that, that ELDX was mean, and it was low shoulder, so it really it really didn't hurt any of the meat or anything. It was, it was perfect. That's an yeah. awesome cartridge. 
an awesome bullet. And honestly, you know, I was thinking on that hunt. I'm like, this is probably the rifle that my little girls are probably going to kill their first buck with. It's the perfect little gun for something like that. And like me, I just, I want to try stuff out. I think it's fun trying stuff, whether it's equipment, backpacking gear or rifles or cartridges. It's, it's neat to be able to use these different bullet configurations and rifles on different types of Western big game. So um, you'll probably save that gun for your girls. Yeah, that's that's one I'm not going to sell. That's well, for sure one also. I'm not going to sell. Aaron has the same gun. Yeah, different color. Doe doe killer. Doe killer. Oh, your doe killer. <laughs> yeah, that's my doe killer. Killed two <laughs> two does with it. A white tail doe and a mule deer doe with it. Hey, you almost killed a really big buck. Did you take that gun? No, no. Yeah, Wait. yeah, I took that one to Oklahoma. But I, yeah, I almost. Yeah, you're right. I almost killed a big white tail buck stupid thing <laughs> wouldn't cross a freaking fence but um anyway so we get over to this buck you know i pretend i can't find the buck and so i i'm help the girls over the fence i pretend i can't find the buck I'm like girls can you help me find it? i can't see him and i had to like literally almost get right to him before they spotted him but <laughs> then they sat and fought over who spotted it first yeah Jay Lee's like I, I found it kendry's like no i found it first <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny and you know kendry the younger one she's she's my shy one but she is competitive she's competitive as they come and i love that about her and she makes Jay Lee competitive who's not normally competitive <laughs> so um but uh, it was just a neat experience all the way around, teaching those little girls about the body parts, showing them, showing them where the bullet hit and the impact, the devastation of the bullet. And then I think to my surprise, I have never seen, and I've that's probably my sixth or maybe my fifth or sixth antelope buck I've shot now. Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, maybe six. And um, that is the smallest bodied buck I've ever seen. And might even be smaller than some of the does I've shot too, because I've shot some antelope does. I couldn't. It was like a pygmy. Yeah, it was big it was, old head though, and 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 big horns, giant noggin, giant it. noggin, big horns. I think we measured that buck at seventy-seven inches. Yeah, or just yeah, under. Was it, it just under? Yeah, it was something it's a like big, that. It, it's a big buck, and he had like a big old Ro- like Roman nose, and the buck was incredible. Yeah, he. His hide was all torn up like crazy oh, too. Yeah. He'd been fighting antelope fight like crazy. They're 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 aggressive things. They'll run mule deer out of areas. There's probably like four four bucks to one doe on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they got to so fight they... for it. <laughs> yeah. well, it, was, it was funny that Kendra. That was the first thing she was like, "Dad, look at his his fur." Yeah, that's the first <laughs> thing like, oh, she he's, noticed. He's been fighting, and Jaylee noticed the horror, and she was asking you questions when you were cutting him up. Like, what's that? Is that the spine? Is that the back? You're telling her it's the back strap. And yeah. So I think that was one cool thing, and we put on a graphic about the Utah mentor thing, which your girls can't hunt yet, but just mentioning it to people, like, get get some kids out there hunting if you have a valid hunting license, because when you get them out there younger, it makes them fall in love with it. And oh, yeah. lets them, like, well, get to know about it, I think it the too. biggest thing, and I, I can't do this for my girls, and I hope to get out to a, a bigger parcel of ground uh, to, to, to build a house on one day, but, I mean... I remember the slaughter truck used to come into our backyard and um, my dad would be at work and I'd watch the pigs get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like I enjoyed death, but it was just really interesting. I knew My point is I knew where my, my food came from. I watched him not only shoot the animal, hang it, skin it, gut it, and then and, and, and cut it up. You know, yeah. Sometimes they just put it in the truck and left and sometimes they cut it up there. But it's like, 
And same thing with cows. Like when we had a, a, a cow on, we were raised on a dairy and when the same slaughter truck, uh, champion meats come rolling into the farmyard, come shoot one of the old heifers that was pasture, uh, milk producing years. And same thing, shoot her in the head with the 22, hook her up, drag her, hang her, gut her, skin her. And then, it, you know, the, they'd put the tail, the heart, the liver, and the tongue in the bucket in the milk barn. Mm-hmm. And they'd be just sitting there, you know, with the tail and the and the tongue and the, the heart and the liver. And we'd just be there until someone grabbed it, one of us, or cooked it for a friend. Or, you know, we had locals around the area that wanted them too, and my grandpa would save them for them. My point is my girls don't see that. They don't know where their meat comes from. They don't know how that animal died. It's just sitting on a meat shelf. Now we don't buy meat. I bring my animals home so they have some sort of idea. But I don't – usually I've cut the animal because I backpack hunt for the majority of of the time. They don't see me bring or cut up the animal there. Yeah. So this was more of like they're seeing start to finish how it happens. And mm-hmm. for me, that's important for those girls to see that. And I, I hope they marry a man – who um, has lived off the land like I've been fortunate enough to. Well, and and to your point, in contrast, Eric and I have some nieces and nephews that have never seen that process. And so we, you know, they're, they're curious, some are curious. And then, and we have some other nieces and nephews that have even said like, oh, that's, they're like, you know, seven, eight, nine years old telling us that that's cruel. I can't believe you shoot an animal. And it's like they eat chicken, pork, beef every day, right. but they don't know how – they have no idea how it got there and what that animal had to yeah. – how it had to live, you know, to get onto their table. And so to Eric's point, it's it's important for them to, you know, understand that. And, and their parents saw it. Yeah. It's just interesting that their parents haven't yeah. taught them these ways because it, it might not be important for their parents or sisters yeah i saw a thing someone was talking about that the other day they're out of sight out of mind for like the meat that they yeah. get yeah let's pretend like, let's people, pretend it yeah. didn't live in a box and was slaughtered yeah they just just ignore that aspect yeah. of it but then hunting's bad yeah <laughs> it, it's, it's a weird it's a weird uh yeah. concept right and, there. and the more i study fitness the more i know that if you want to keep your muscle you've got to feed it you've got to feed it protein and your muscle is a protein in order for you to keep that muscle you have to feed a protein Mm-hmm. You can't get all the necessary protein from nuts and leaves and yeah. grass. Yeah. You've got to feed it other types of protein. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, we cut it up and I got to have fun with my little girls and got it cooled. And then we're still enjoying that antelope every time we get it out. In fact, I just got the head back today. The euro oh, yeah. stud buck did, did a nice little euro on it. And so I can't wait to take that home to the girls and, and show them the buck that we killed together when we watched that film go live tonight. It was just kind of special, special timing, tender mercy for sure to be able to go and watch this with the film goes live tonight. We have the Euro back now. Heck, maybe we'll even eat it. Tonight. Yeah, you might need to cook them up for dinner. Tonight. Yeah. Maybe we'll cook that thing up for dinner tonight. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I take for granted, um, you know, growing up, Aaron and I, we go out and it seemed like the only thing that we could kill were antlers things or the only thing we could get tags for. And, uh, and ducks, yeah, ducks. Geese. <laughs> but I, I don't think our dad and grandpa really knew how to cook it. <laughs> I can tell you they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> My, We've learned. 
right? Grandma, grandma could cook up a, a few really a few good cuts. Yeah, a few dishes. Like yeah, she, few dishes. she could do a good liver roast and liver and onions. A good roast and backstrap. Yep. And and so, what'd she do with the rest? I mean, yeah. And our dad, could, we just gave it hung until we gave it a gave some of it away and ate jerky. I mean, yeah, we yeah. made jerky and salami, but for the most part, just jerky and salami. We were told that mule deer wasn't that good. Antelope was for sure horrible. <laughs> like, how did that stigma last so long? Yeah, I don't know. That's all I ever heard too growing well, up. Well, the problem is our our first antelope we killed were doe antelope, and we threw them in hold in my dad's trailblazer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they were in the hide the whole way back. And they know, ran. An hour and a half, two hours home, and then we're like, wow, they stink really bad. And so that was kind of our first experience was like, wow, they stink and we did eat the back straps on them and everything, but they kind of had a weird taste to them. But that was our first experience, so. But we know how to take care of them, and our dad only knew how to cook wild game one way. Yeah, and that was mushrooms, onions on the, a frying pan, Butter which it was really good. Pepper. I loved yeah. it, but it's great. That's the only thing he knew how to do. So, but there's so much more to do. There's so much education. There's so many videos. There's so much content out there. You know, I I'm not a uh, a professional. Remy Warren type food preparer, but I'd like to be, I'd like to be better. You know, I think it's fun always developing skills and learning and I love trying new stuff. Yeah. Cooked a meatloaf up the other day. It was really good. Yeah. You're better at it than I am. You try some stuff and even my wife's trying new stuff. Like she started searing the roast first and completely unthawing them, searing the roast before she puts them into the crock pot. And they're so much more tender that way. And it keeps the juices and flavor in. So it's just, you learn these things along the way and I feel bad that I ate those animals growing up and and thought they weren't that great when uh, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But now <laughs> that, I appreciate that's it. That's probably now. the experience a lot of people had that say, oh, yeah. this is bad, this is bad. It's just all preparation, yeah. I think. Well, you, you ask any of these people that are between the age of 35 and 55 years old, women, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna segment a sex here. <laughs> ask them if they like deer. No, my dad prepared it growing up. It was horrible. I bet, you, I bet you if you ask my daughters when they're 35 to 55 years old what they thought of the wild game their dad used to kill, they'd say it was amazing. Because guess what? They don't ever eat steak. The steak they eat is deer, elk, antelope, and doll sheep or mm-hmm. sheep. Yeah, I asked Taylor seven years ago compared to now. She had a mule deer roast the other day. I did a Mississippi uh, roast, and it was it was, it was amazing. Good. She was like, oh, my gosh, from, from my archery buck last year. And he it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all, yeah, a lot of people experience. I took some steak over to my friend's house and we had leftover and he gave it to his wife and she was scared of tasting it at first and then she tried it and she's like, oh, this is way better than what I had growing up. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's just how you prepare it. Yeah, it's how (laughs) you prepare, it's how you take care of it first. And how you take care of it, how how you kill it, take care of it, haul it out, and then obviously store it and prepare it. It comes down to all those things. But anyway, yeah, lone goat. The only goat, the only buck we could find in the entire unit. We covered a lot of miles looking for that sucker. You've <laughs> got one. Yeah. Girls got to see you shoot one. One shot, one kill, quick death, 103 grain ELDX, lights out. It was it was awesome, and what a great memory it was. I hope to take my girls on that one again. Well, I don't know that I'll have time this year or it'll happen, but pretty incredible experience for sure. Awesome. What, any other questions you got? I think that was everything. I think we talked about all. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We had Pistol P, and jeez, uh, we, we should tell everyone what your nickname is. It's Parn. Parn. <laughs> and one of these days, we'll have to get him to change his, his handle to Mealy Freak Parn. But anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show. Please share it. Um, we get a lot of people that comment to us, came up to us at the expo to tell us how much they love the podcast. We'd love for you to share it on social media, send it to your friends, email it. Um, you know, and then, of course, 
we're going to keep beating this dead horse base map. Get a discount. Basemap.com forward slash Muley Freak. The code is automatically baked into checkout. Create an account or log into your existing account. Save yourself 20% and get the best hunting GPS mapping there is. You can transfer all your waypoints over from OnX directly into Basemap, and you can do that from a computer. Log into the web version of OnX. Log into the web version of Basemap. Export the KML file from OnX. Import the KML file into Basemap, and voila, all your waypoints and tracks transfer. Your colors don't transfer, but your all your notes will and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and you know, base map story is pretty incredible. CEO bootstrapping this business, working the oil fields and coming back and dumping all the money he had into creating this app. It's just a neat story. So, um, basemap.com forward slash me freak, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you can leave a review for this podcast. Peyton, where else can you leave a review? I don't know if you can, I know you can rate it on Spotify. So rate it on Spotify. Cause I know I was the first, I got on my Spotify and I was iTunes, like, no one's rated okay. it. So I rated it for us. Oh, thanks for rating it. I was like, I listen as I'm all rated them for us. So some, some other people need to get some ratings for us on, on Spotify. There we go. <laughs> Catch you on the next one. <laughs>